I think most of us, if we're honest, we face this maze of life and we ask ourselves a pretty basic question, which is this. Am I going the right way? I think if I was honest with you, I would say there are times in my life that I, I look at my life and I realize I'm trying to work this maze in my life and I only get to do this once. I only get one shot at this life. And I do ask myself, am I heading the right way? Am I working hard enough or am I, am I being too lazy? Am I not working hard enough? Am I striving enough or am I striving too much? Am I asking too much of life? Am I expecting too much of life? Am I being too idealistic or am I not expecting enough of life? Like am I settling for less than what life is supposed to be? And you see, who you are and what you believe affects this. It really matters what you believe. It really matters what you believe about the world, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about God, because that's gonna shape how I actually see the maze, and it's also gonna shape the choices I make in that maze. And I ask myself, how should I be spending my time? Because my time is the only thing I have to spend. Is this life that I'm living, am I doing this the right way? Is this good enough? Many of us feel like we are burning the candle at both ends. I think that there's a drive here, especially in America, in our culture to do this. You know, like, work hard, play hard. And I get that, I love that. But there's also this drive, some of you are in working situations where the message you get is work, work, work. Work, work, work. And some of you have been in the situation where you work, work, work until the day they say, oh, by the way, we're right-sizing. Some of you have experienced this drive that we've, you, you've lived an out-of-balance life for the sake of a job. You've worked, 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 and then suddenly your services are no longer required. And then you feel like like junk, like you were a unit of production that has become obsolete. Some of you know what this feels like and what it does to your self-esteem. Like your used goods. Like you've been kicked to the side of the road and forgotten. And it's not just about work, right? Like some of us have relationships, some of us have experiences in life that make us feel like we are used goods, kicked to the side of the road, forgotten, worthless, junk. And yet the very one, the maker of heaven and earth, the Lord God Almighty, the one who actually has the right to judge you, the one who really has the right to pass judgment on you, is the very one who says instead to you, when you feel frail and broken and bruised, he says, a bruised reed 
I will not break. And a smoldering wick I will not snuff out. That's a promise. That is his stance towards you. Because what he chooses to do is come down and take on flesh and walk among us as Jesus and then look out at people like you and me and say, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And so if you've been with us as we've gone through this Ten Commandments, this, this whole process, what you've learned is, it's not like the Ten Commandments are this old stuff from the Old Testament, because they were from God, and we believe in the triune God of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which means the Ten Commandments are the Ten Laws of God the Father, but it, they're also the Ten Laws of Jesus. And we see that in the New Testament, especially in the book of Matthew, that a lot of Jesus' teaching is actually explaining the Ten Commandments and unpacking them and helping us understand what they were meant to become because they got twisted over time. And Jesus told us that the greatest command and that the first three commandments, and actually we're gonna see the fourth capture this is, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. That we're to do that. So now look again at the first three commandments and then this fourth today. I'm to love God, I'm to honor God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. So the first commandment says, I need to choose to honor God with my loyalty. You shall have no other gods but me. Second commandment, I need to choose to honor God with my thought life. Don't create or worship idols. Don't let stuff of this world rule you and, and become the thing that you're chasing after. Third, I choose to honor God with my words. The third command, don't take the Lord's name in vain. And fourth, what we come to today is this idea that I need to honor God with my time. In other words, I need to keep the Sabbath. But here's the thing. <laughs> Is this really what you expect? That God comes to you and says, I command you to rest. I command you to relax and have a good time. That's the commandment. What kind of crazy religion is this? What kind of crazy religion is this where one of the top 10 commandments is I command you to stop and do nothing? We understand that in ancient Judaism, you know, the circumcision was this mark in the flesh of this covenant with God, and it's true. But you know what a greater mark was to the nations around them? The mark of the seventh day. How they marked time how weird it was back then. They were the only religion, the only faith that did this, that we take one day and we make it different from all the others and we rest in that day. And for you and for me, in this culture, in this day, for you to do that is radical, it's different. And I want you to open yourself up and ask, hey, is there more here than I've been thinking about? 
So let's, let's look into this. Let's look at this fourth command and look at it in detail. So I'm gonna ask you to do this. Would you find the Pew Bible uh, in the pew in front of you and turn to page 282? Or if you brought your own Bible, it's the book of Deuteronomy, chapter five. So this is really interesting. I think you'll be surprised by this. If you turn to page 282, Deuteronomy chapter five, if you look at page 282, this is where the Ten Commandments are listed. And do you see how there's a, a paragraph start on each commandment? So down in the left-hand column, it starts, you know, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. You shall have no other gods but me. Now, you see how each paragraph is a command. Look how long the Sabbath command is. It's the longest one. God uses more words explaining keeping the Sabbath than any other. Why? Because it's so hard for us to get it. It's so hard for us to believe that it really matters. It's so hard for us to believe it really matters if you set one day aside and make it different from the others. Because we're just so used to every day becoming the same and and we're just used to everything kind of filling up every day and this seems really crazy. So starting in verse 12, as you're looking there, verse 12, observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. The word Sabbath is a Hebrew word that comes out of a Shabbat, a Hebrew word that literally means to cease. To cease to do, to cease from striving. Keep the cease from striving working day by keeping it holy. And you know, holy is to God, right? But holy also means different and set apart. In other words, for you and me, it's kind of like take Sunday and make it different. Take Sunday and set it apart. As the Lord your God commanded you. So God is literally commanding this. Now you guys, when you think about the Ten Commandments, don't kill, don't steal, don't murder, all these things we're gonna look at, aren't those morals? These are morals. These are moral laws and what he's basically saying is keeping a Sabbath day is a moral thing. How can that be? How can, how can just resting have anything to do with morals? Well, the ancient rabbis said that he who keeps the Sabbath day holy protects himself from the power of temptation. And I think that makes sense to me. Think about the times you've screwed up in your life when you've sinned, when you've messed up. So many times for me, it's when I'm burned out, it's when I've left myself no margin it's when I just want to feel good. I just want to soothe myself. So I pursue something. And you think about most sins. We're, we're pursuing, you know, pursuing something to try and soothe ourselves. And we're looking at, for it in all the wrong places. You, know, you can look for love in all the wrong places. And God says the place to find it is in me. And so what I find is when I am rested, when I am restful, when I give myself some slack and some margin and some space to just be, I actually have more strength to avoid the stuff that wrecks me and wrecks my relationships and wrecks my life. So God commands it. But now look at the next line. We're not called to be slackers and lazy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. In other words, God isn't saying just, you know, sit around eating bonbons and lay on a couch forever, right? He's saying, no, you you need to work. And that second half of that phrase is, and you need to get done the work that needs to get done. Like, you really do need to work. A lot of us think, I know Ruth and I sometimes fantasize, like, oh, retirement, we don't have to work. A lot of us think if we could just go to heaven, we wouldn't work. 
That's not true. There'll be work in heaven, and you'll love it. You think about the fall. Before the fall of Adam and Eve, they already had work. So work isn't part of the fall. They, they were to tend the garden. Now, have you done something? I think everyone here, I bet you if I came around with a microphone, we said, can you think of something you did that you really enjoyed? Who can I pick on? Jessica, I'll pick on you. I bet there's a time when you take a shot and you just love doing it and you love what it looks like, right? Or how many of you have like home projects like Espinoza's, you know, you have a, <laughs> you guys, you have these projects you do, um, perhaps working in the garden. And, and one time it's like really, oh, you just love it, you do it, the next time it's toil. I want you to think about the times you've done something, like you've done a, a piece of work and it's just enjoyable to do. That's what God's intention for work is. Toil is something totally different. Toil is a result of the fall. Toil is the prickers and the brambles and stuff that doesn't fit right and things that are warped and twisted and broken and people who are broken and twisted that you have to deal with. That's all part of the fall, but work itself is a good blessing. So look, right in this commandment, we're, also, we're seeing that God is declaring that work is important and that rest is important. Right here in this commandment. Now the next part is gonna blow me away, it blows, I hope it blows you away. The next part of this command has huge social implications about culture and social justice. He says, on that day, you shall not do any work. Okay, all right, so I have this religion which I don't do any work on the seventh day. No, 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 neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your manservant nor your maidservant, nor your ox, or your donkey, or any of your animals, nor the alien, the immigrant, within your gates, so that your manservant and maidservant will rest as you. Think about this, you guys. In the ancient world, especially the Greek world, the Roman world, there were two kinds of laws and rules and expectations for two kinds of people. Rich men lived a life of leisure, and everyone else worked. Women worked, poor men worked, slaves worked, everybody worked over here, and then you had the leisurely class. Into that culture, into that world comes this command that says, no, from the highest to the lowest, everybody gets a break. No matter where you are on the strata, you are to be treated equally. Everybody gets a rest on this day. Think about this in, in those times when you know, people were basically worked to death. Well, no, that's, your, that's just what you do. And here comes this command from God that says, no, the lowest of the low, I lift up and I give them this day of rest. But also, it talks about, I'm hoping you all are giving your donkeys Sabbath, are you all doing that? Okay, good. <laughs> Your kitty cats. Here's the thing. Do you hear these echoes of biblical environmentalism here? It's like even your animals are not just units of production. Even your animals are to be honored and given this rest. Other places in the Old Testament say, give the land a rest. Okay? So not only is there an environmental implication, it's even deeper than that. You shall do no work. Your children shall do no work. 
Your servants shall do no work. Your animals shall do no work. Can you get the sense that it's all of a sudden, it's all of creation saying, stop. Be still. And know that I am God. Like if you let this scripture work on you, you get this beautiful vision of all the created world pausing. Behold, the maker of heaven and earth, be still. You see, this isn't about your little religious thing. It's about the maker of heaven and earth calling all his creation to be still before him. God says, be still and know that I am God. That is why when I think of the Sabbath, I think of it as a fierce stillness. It's not just resting from work. It's big because the stillness, there's this huge power behind the stillness. It's, it's the presence of he who was and is and shall be the maker of heaven and earth, Lord Sabbath, his name. And he calls us to be still. It's a fierce, mighty God who's commanding me to be still for my own good. But we are stubborn. And we think we know better. And we think we don't need a Sabbath. And then we come to this scripture which you've heard from me before. This is almost like a life verse for me because it's so convicting. In Isaiah, God speaks and he says this. This is what the sovereign Lord the Holy One of Israel says to you and to me, in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, but you would have none of it. Do I want salvation? Yeah. Do I want strength? Yeah. Do I keep trying to get those things on my own terms? Will I keep striving after those on my own terms or will I yield to this way of God that makes no sense to me that says if you rest on the seventh day, it will change you, that it's really important, that you really need it. You see, we are like little kids who need a nap. And our parents come and say, you need to take a nap. No! Our parents tell us we need to take a nap because they, we, they know if we don't, we'll be miserable later. Is that true? God comes to you and says, you need to take a nap. You need to take a Sabbath because if you don't, you're gonna be miserable later. It's really true. It's like God's a doctor, Anish, it's like God's a doctor. He knows we're sick, he gives us this medicine, he gives us a prescription and says, now take this. Like, I don't wanna take it. I don't like medicine. You are sick and you need this medicine, here's the command, take it. And it's for our own, it's for our own good. But we're stubborn, we're like stubborn mules. Now in verse 15, the scripture goes on and it describes to us who this one is who is giving us this command. It says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, 
in the house of bondage, and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. We worship a God with a mighty arm and an outstretched hand, and he's stretching it out to you and saying, come into my Sabbath. Experience my Sabbath. Here's a beautiful gift. So what do people do when God gives us a beautiful gift? We mess it up. That's what we do. We mess it up. So you know what happened after this beautiful, this beautiful gift that was primarily to give the working man peace and sanctuary. By the time of Jesus, the Pharisees have turned it into 8,000 rules. They've made it into this ridiculous minutia of regulations and everyone's, are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the right thing? Are you doing the right thing? Turning it into bondage. This is how bad it got. They said, okay, listen, seventh day, you shall do no work. Okay? That means what, you're not allowed to carry a burden. Okay, well, what's a burden? You're not allowed to carry a stone. Okay, well, can I carry my kid? You can carry your kid as long as your kid is not carrying a stone. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. This is real. Yes. Well, then how big, is it, how big does it have to be to be a stone? Like, you know. So it gets crazy. In the midst of that, this one stands up whose name is Lord of the Sabbath. Think about how Jesus reveals that he is God incarnate. One of the ways he does it is saying, not only am I Lord of all this other stuff, I am Lord of the Sabbath because this was my idea and this was for my people. And some of you know the story that what happened was the Pharisees are making sure everybody's squared away and they see that Jesus and his, and his followers are not keeping up with the rules and then Jesus tells them, not only is he the Lord of the Sabbath, he gives them a teaching, and you guys, I don't think we pay enough attention to this teaching. He says, for man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. What does that mean? It means the whole purpose of the Sabbath is not that you obey all these rules. The purpose of the Sabbath is not that you all conform to doing this thing that I want you to do. The Sabbath was made for you. You weren't made to have to comply with all this. It was made to be a gift for you. So you guys, that applies to so many things in your life. I mean, think about, you weren't made for work. Work was made for you. You weren't made for this Sunday morning. This Sunday morning was made for you. We need to be, as a community, about the freedom and the love and the mercy of the good news of the gospel. And it's just so beautiful, and it got so messed up. But into that mess, Jesus comes, he declares he's the Lord of the Sabbath. So then, if this is all true, what should this day of rest be? What should it be like on your Sabbath? I think it's meant to be a fast from some things, and then also a feast of other things. So first the fast. You need to give stuff up to set this day apart. And so here's the first thing I wanna ask you. What kinds of things from your everyday life keep creeping into Sunday? 
You know what it's like. Pretty much it just looks like every other day. What God is saying is, left to your own, you, you get into this monotonous routine where it's just day after day after day and everything turns gray and everything's the same and it's time to make the donuts again. And what God does is injects this day that's different. And what does it do? It changes the monotony into a rhythm. It changes the monotony into a dance, into a song. By making the one day different, it gives perspective on the others. And it gives you a sense of time and a flow and a purpose. So what do you need to fast from? So I think you need to fast from toil. I think you probably need, you know, if we can, to the degree that we're able to, um, take a Sabbath from money, you know, from earning money. Well, maybe you're like, I have to work on Sunday. Okay, then your Sabbath is another day. So my Sabbath is actually Monday. It really is. I need a separate day where I'm not thinking about my job. I'm thinking about God. So what would that day be for you, whatever day that is? And what else do you need to fast from? You know, for some of you, you know what you need to fast from? Worry. What if you said this to yourself? Self, you're allowed to worry every day except Sunday. So you're literally on Sunday and you're worrying. You're like, nope, you're not allowed to do that. You can worry on Monday. Not today. What if you did that to yourself? How if you could say that about, you know, your, oh, I got all these obligations, not today. Some of you might need to fast from Facebook. I mean, somebody else, it might be a blessing. I can't tell you what it is. It's what it does in your life. What things that fill your everyday life are always constantly trying to, they're like little weasels, trying to weasel into Sunday and make Sunday like all the other days. Those are the things that you need to fast from. And then what should you feast in what things should be like the great things that are in this day well i think first of all there's four of them i would say first hang out with god right worship study pray and be still and hang out with others so i want to encourage you in this way just coming here on sundays is messing up the evil one and messing up your own addictive personality and messing up all kinds of stuff why because what other day of the week do you do this This is really different. Now here's the thing. If we don't understand that this is actually a command from God and it's like taking medicine or it's like a a parent who knows their little kid needs a nap and we we say, ah, it's no big deal. It's just, you know, one more day. What do we do? We start saying, well, I just don't feel like doing it today. I, I just don't feel like going to church today. And I, believe me, I get that. Especially if I know it's me preaching. (laughs) But, you know, you just, I just don't feel like doing that. Well, think about it with working out. You know, even in my pathetic attempt to like run the Broad Street this year, I had to run on a regular basis whether I felt like it or not, which means if it was raining, I still had to run. If I woke up and I didn't like how I felt, I still had to run because if you don't do that, you never get to where you are. In other words, keeping the Sabbath is a spiritual exercise. People say, oh, I I exercise religiously. That's exactly what you have to do with exercise. So if you do that for your body, you need to do this Sabbath for your mind. And so I get, I get, believe me, I get, especially when we had little kids, like, oh, I just don't feel like going to church today. But what we have to do, I think, in this moment is this is one of those times you have to fake it till you make it. In other words, God doesn't say, keep the Sabbath because you feel like it. He doesn't say, keep the Sabbath and it's gonna be amazing every time. He just says, 
keep the Sabbath. I need to fake it till I make it because this is a great gift from God. So first, hanging out with God, and not just, to me, it's not just going to church with everybody, as good as that is. I think you also need this time alone by yourself. Okay, second, hang out with other people. You know, this idea that give yourself permission to hang out with the people you love to hang out with. Invest my time in my family. Like, how often does work squeeze out our family? Invest time in your friends. How often does work squeeze out time with your friends? Can you give yourself permission to actually do these things that you actually like on a Sunday? Third, play and rest, okay? I wanna be this guy. I wanna be that guy right there. Now here's the thing with play and rest. If you're a laborer, if you're in construction, if you use your, your hands all week and you're standing, probably what you really most need to do on, on, on a Sabbath is nothing. <laughs> is just rest. I have friends who are in their 50s now and never took a nap since they were age five and then when they were 50, they start taking a nap on Sunday afternoons. What a great thing. Could you give yourself permission to take a nap? Well, I, I, how many people would have feel guilty taking a nap? Anybody? You're all, yeah, yeah. Don't you feel like, I'm not, I gotta be productive. How cool to give the hand to that and take a nap. I'm gonna take a nap. Whoever gets to take a nap. On the other hand, if you are someone who's at a desk all week, maybe what rest is for you is to go running, to go biking, to go hiking, go surfing, whatever it is, because that's what restores you. So remember, the Sabbath was made for you. You weren't made for the Sabbath. So here's my question to you. What restores you? What is it in life that you're like, that restores me? What if the maker of heaven and earth says, I demand that you do that? I command that you do that for yourself. And perhaps the most important thing to do on this day is to remember the big picture. Psalm 62 tells us the big picture. My soul finds rest in God alone. Ultimately, my real rest is in God alone. I need to use Sunday, for you, for me it's Monday, to take time and think about my life. Where am I headed? Am I really living out my values? God, what would you have me do in these next couple months? Lord, who do you wanna place on my heart that I should be really reaching out to and loving and caring? In other words, you guys, to get your, you know, our head is just stuck in the grind and we're just stuck in getting it done and doing this stuff and we need to step back and look at the big picture. God himself has given this to you. Will you give yourself permission? I was talking to someone at the first service and I'm, she's like, oh, it's, I, I just can't do this. I said, why? Because you're afraid to let the balls fall? She's like, yeah, I can't, I can't let the balls fall. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. If it's Sunday. What's more important? Your walk with the maker of heaven and earth or those balls and what people are gonna think of you if you don't come through and your chart and your bar craft isn't just perfect. The Lord God is calling you, commanding you to know his rest and his stillness.
exactly because he loves you. Let's pray.